BitCloud, it's hot on the market right now. BitCloud. 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 BitCloud is so addictive and so much fun and so lucrative. All anyone wants to talk about is BitCloud, BitCloud, BitCloud. Today, we're going to be talking about BitCloud, which is a platform that lets audiences invest in creators as if they were stocks. And that's a conversation we've been seeing a lot lately. People have been asking, can you buy stock in a creator? Now, there's a lot of different startups that are trying to solve this problem. Mr. Beast and his team rolled out Creative Juice that's aiming to fund creators at early stages. We also had a conversation about how maybe NFTs could be used for something like this. But with BitClout, we're kind of seeing this new wave of being like dead on, hey, this is the stock market for creators and we're using crypto to do it. A lot to unpack there. And a lot of controversy as well, because they didn't really tell creators that they were going to be putting them up in this marketplace. So are creators actually investable? Should you buy stock in Logan Paul? Should you buy stock in Addison Ray? Should you buy stock in us? Unfortunately, you can't because BitClout didn't include us in the rollout. <laughs> Not even enough clout to send a cease and desist. I wanted to cease and desist them. To cease, 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 cease. All right. Call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we start the episode, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. If you're watching this video on the day it comes out, you still have two more days to be entered into our $1,000 giveaway from our Mr. Beast interview. If you're watching this right now, hit the subscribe button. Let's give $1,000 away to someone who subscribes to your channel in the next five days. Hit the subscribe button. <laughs> Boom. All right, thanks to Notion for sponsoring this episode. And Colin, roll the intro. <laughs> Right, man. So this platform, when it was first sent to me, like feels like it's shaking some things up. Nice. You, you like that segue? Nice. Yeah. Just so everyone knows here in the audio only section, we experienced a pretty serious earthquake last night. And a 4.0? 4.0. And it happened at 444. Feels weird. Uh, I don't know. But uh, the reason I said shaking things up is because I wanted to bring up the earthquake. We're both ripped me from a deep sleep. Yeah. Terrifying. I mean, terrifying. How, 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 do, how do people in California deal with this? Well, I grew up here, and so we've had some really scary ones, and you just kind of grew up knowing that this was going to happen, because like in school, you had earthquake drills. Did you have earthquake drills? <laughs> no. No, you didn't. Yeah, no thanks. So do you know what to do? Like You get under your desk, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got some good desk space That's the here answer the for every, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just get under yeah. your desk. What else can you, you do? Yeah. And you pray. But yeah, I thought I was like sleeping and I thought I was in like airplane turbulence. I was like, whoa, this is so intense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also got the second dose of the vaccine yesterday. So all in all today is like a hazy really day, hazy day on my way in, spilled my entire coffee. So there was a lot, there's a lot today. Yeah. You came in on. with coffee on your shirt, spilled coffee on my shirt. So if you guys are watching the episode, you'll notice when we do the notion ad read, my shirt's unbuttoned, but in this part it's buttoned up. I spilled coffee. It's just a tough day. Well, inside info for our audio only listeners. You know what though? Good day for the channel because our Mr. Beast interview just mm -hmm. went live. It's a one out of 10 in the YouTube studio, which means it's the best video we've put out in the past 10. Which means we can uh, experience happiness today. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah right. 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 <laughs> Smiles. Yeah. It's the, the ranking system. Honestly, I am really excited yeah. about it. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. Yeah. But yes, it's amazing that it's a one out of 10. I think what's even more exciting to me is that I just feel like we found our format on YouTube and I just can't believe it. You know Th what I mean? Thumbnails like, are still terrorizing me on Sunday nights. Yeah, uh, thumbnails are a, a thorn. Uh, so we, we, yeah. we generally put out our thumbnails. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll see that we put out two options for thumbnails and then we let everyone on Twitter kind of help us out and decide which one we should go with. And we put it out late last night before the video came out on Twitter and Mr. Beast came back with a comment and was like, yeah, neither of those thumbnails are good. Right. 
Yeah. And this is at like 10 PM on Sunday night. The video comes out at 6 AM. Yeah. Which is really tough to, to get that it's, from Jimmy it, at that it, time. But you but know helpful. what? Helpful. Uh, and I think we, we landed in a pretty good direction, but it is, it is such a challenging part. Like you, you focus on making the content really good, but the packaging of it is so important. It's so crazy important how you package it. And what's amazing is you, it feels like you can't just be straight up where it's like, hey, this is an interview with Mr. Beast. This is a really good yeah. exclusive interview. And, and we could title it that way and yeah. thumbnail it very simply. Simply? Simply? Sure. Yeah. But I think if we did that, it would only reach maybe the 10% or 15 or 20% of our subscribers that YouTube right. will surface it to. And if you really want it to hit that million plus range, you have to create this packaging, this title and thumbnail that it's so out of this world. Right. It's this crazy puzzle you have to crack. I wish people, I wish you could just say, hey, it's, here's it, a great interview. Yeah, it's tough. I think um, like the times when we're at our best is when the idea is based off of a thumbnail idea, you know, or a title idea. Like 24 hours to meet yes theory. Sure, yeah. That's like very straightforward. The yeah. concept is interesting enough. Right. Or yeah. miss, you look at Mr. Beast, like but, buried alive for 24 hours. Right. Like he actually does it. So the title and thumbnail is crazy. Yeah, I think I think we ended up on a one that I was pretty comfortable with, and I'm like, okay, if it's if it's not the the top one, because there were some that we were looking at that felt just so gimmicky to me, and I was like, I don't I don't want to go in that direction. Yeah, trying to be an hip YouTube thumbnail, right? Land, which is hard, which is difficult. You just you just think back to the Casey Neistat era where he was just using like screen grabs, and it was so cool. But it's just a different era of YouTube. Emma Chamberlain also has really cool thumbnails too. They're just so like. Also, like y- you and I, our faces are not currently what right. grab people. They aren't. They aren't as recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't use those to to bring people in. Speaking of Emma Chamberlain, um, she crossed ten million subscribers. I watched one of her most recent videos, and I'm just so impressed with her all the time. And I think this this generally this conversation that we're having today around investing in creators, she's someone I would buy stock in for sure. Like I think. Her and her businesses, Chamberlain Coffee, like the fact that she's involved in PacSun, like I just think she's so versatile. I think the question is how if she can sustain, you know, being a a content creator, how long can she do it for? But her brand is just so strong to me, and I, I'm I'm just always impressed when I watch a video of hers. Yeah, it's interesting. Is a lot of people talk about YouTube creators like athletes, right. as if they have three to four year sort of lifespans in the pros, I guess you would call it you know, max 10 to 15 years. Right. But we're still at the beginning of this entire industry. Who knows what it will look like mm-hmm. when we're all 60 and 70. Maybe the formats just change. The things we talk totally. about change. Like it's, it's not that hard for you and I like to sit here and record a podcast because it feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. We're not doing 24 hours to meet yesterday anymore where we're, right. where we're doing anything we possibly can. And, you know, we're willing to get on a flight here. Or, right. Know. So I think creators will grow up with their content. So the other thing I want to say, speaking of, of creators growing up, um, we got to meet Cody Co. And I say that because he's in our like age bracket, yeah. which we talked about with him. Yeah. Uh, we had coffee with Cody and, and I do want to thank our audience members because I feel like a lot of his outreach to us was based on the fact that when we made a video in January and like jokingly called him out, a lot of our audience members reached out to him and were like, Cody, you gotta, you gotta check these guys out. Uh, and so Cody shot us a note and, and we got to meet and have coffee and it was just such a good conversation. And he's another creator that I would buy stock in, just someone who's like building businesses that are so interesting. And as a fan of his was so excited yeah, to meet him. It was him. so fun. But then as like a fellow creator, it was such a good conversation. I do want to note that we didn't record an interview with him. A lot of people right. thought we did. Uh, we just got coffee and talked, which was great. Yeah. Phenomenal. And I think at some point we will do something. For sure. 
Okay, cool. So this episode is going to be all about BitClout, which if you want to just search it, if you're listening to this, just search it on your phone, look it up and you'll see there's a ton of headlines now. Like there's headlines about how polarizing this company is. There's headlines around what it is, but we'll get into it now. Um, again, thanks to everyone who's listening on the audio only. This is such a cool, intimate thing that we have. Uh, we will be updating you on our new business, Publish Projects. If you haven't put in your email, do that you know, publishprojects.com. And the drop that we've been working on a lot recently is a newsletter, um, creator economy newsletter, just trying to, you know, continue to educate the space around what's happening, why it matters and give our perspective on, on things that are happening, which is kind of what we do in the show, but we want to, we want to turn it into writing. We want to make it more frequent. We want to build a, a, a bigger community around it. I mean, we're trying to shake things up just like that earthquake did to us last night. Back to the earthquake puns. Yeah. I mean, full hey, circle. It, if, if you are in Southern California and you felt that earthquake last night, which now would be three days ago yeah. that you're hearing this, let I us hope, know. I hope there's not another one. Ooh. You don't say things like that, man. You don't wow. say things like that. Okay. All right. Now uh, let's get into the episode. Let's turn the lights on. Let's turn the lights on. <laughs> so BitCloud is a decentralized social media platform that issues coins, essentially stocks, in creators. Audiences can come and buy the coin of their favorite creators, creators that they believe in. The more coins that are bought, the higher the price goes of that coin. The more people start selling the coins, the lower the price gets. So it really does feel like a stock market. It gives you the price of the coin or the stock. It tells you how many coins are in circulation. It gives you kind of like the the highs and the lows. And if you just look at the BitCloud website, you have Elon Musk, you have Mr. Beast, you have Logan Paul, Ariana Grande, you have Justin Bieber, like Jake Paul, Mark Cuban. Uh, huge names. Huge names. The issue is that the majority of those people you just mentioned have not signed off and allowed BitClout to issue coins on their behalf. But BitClout is accruing value every time someone buys coins. There's a percentage that yeah. goes to BitClout and there's a percentage that goes, a royalty that goes to the creator. So basically the creator has to come and claim their account and that's when they get access to the cash. BitCloud's found themselves in a couple of lawsuits here. Sarah Dietschy just tweeted that someone's actually impersonating her on BitCloud, which is a serious problem because if they're collecting cash on her behalf, that's not a good look. If you go to BitCloud's website, you'll see that there's some that have a blue check next to them. That means the creator is like on BitCloud. Jake Paul was posting about this saying like, everyone better buy my stock in, in BitCloud. The vernacular around this is crazy, right? Because it's it, it really is treating yourself like a publicly traded company and saying, you know, hey, good time to buy stock in me. Let me just read some of BitCloud's one pager on their website. Like it's a, it's, it's a confusing website if you just land on it, but they have a one pager that I think is their effort to explain this to us. Number one, what is BitCloud? Like Bitcoin, BitCloud is a fully open source project and there's no company behind it. It's just coins and code. What is this no company behind it? Of course Nonsense. there's a company behind it. Someone started it. Someone's behind it. Right. Every profile on the platform gets its own coin that anyone can buy and sell. We call these creator coins and you can have your own coin too simply by creating a profile. So all we have to do is create a profile. The price of each coin goes up when people buy and goes down when people sell. So if you think a coin is going to become more popular, then you will probably make money if you buy it early. It just feels so speculative to, to me. It is. It's a hundred percent. manipulative. I, I, like, like you're going to want to get in now because I'm about to announce something tomorrow. But here's the question. That we, you're going to want to be a part of. Creator coins are a new type of asset class that is tied to the reputation of an individual rather than a company or commodity. They are truly the first tool we have a society used to trade social clout as an asset. Tied to the reputation of an individual. 
reputation? Does that mean good reputation, bad reputation? Does it even matter? It's literally social currency. Are people talking about you Are or not? Are people talking about you? If people understand this, then the value of someone's coin should be correlated to that person's standing in society. For example, if Elon Musk succeeds in landing the first person on Mars, his coin price should theoretically go up. And if in contrast, he makes a racial slur during a press conference, his coin price should theoretically go down. It's weird territory to go into. The line there should theoretically go down. This feels very Hunger Games to me, like very strange, right? There seem to be a lot of problems with that, right? Buying stock in one person. One, it just seems like it can be very manipulative. Like buy my stock right now because I'm about to do something crazy. Right. (laughs) And it can also be really risky because you're putting a lot of money into something that appears to be very volatile. Let's say you put all your money into Elon Musk's coin and then he gets caught up in some sort of scandal. Whereas with a company, the idea is Mm. there's potentially or there should be theoretically more infrastructure that surrounds a company that allows it to be investable. And there's more checks and balances, even just from like a regulatory standpoint. We brought this up in our NFT episode. And I, I was suggesting that maybe you could use NFTs to create a stock pool. And I was met with a lot of, uh, you know, DMs and messages being like, hey man, that is not legal. <laughs> that is illegal. That's turning yourself into a security, which you cannot. And I was like, oh, okay. But then <laughs> here we are, right? Like yeah. this, is, this is it. So obviously this is, proven to be problematic. There's lawsuits. There's a lot of news around this. There's a lot of back and forth in if this is good, bad, legal, illegal, no one knows. Now you mentioned about checks and balances for a company. This concept of like being decentralized. Here's a couple of interesting things about BitCloud. It has massive investors, Sequoia Capital, massive. This is a huge company. Even Coinbase, which is the primary marketplace for cryptocurrency is invested here. So this is not like some dude just creating a website. This is a company that's backed by very legitimate players in the space. What's strange to me is it seems like there's no responsibility. Like no one takes any responsibility when it's a decentralized network because they're like, hey man, it's it's in the ledger. Once it's there, nothing we can do about it. It's decentralized. It's decentralized. Yeah. I think I'm thinking about becoming decentralized. It's <laughs> like someone comes at me and I'm like, listen, hey, man. It's, it's not me. I'm decentralized. Yeah. You can't blame me. I'm not Samir. You're not Samir. No one technically is is Samir. Samir? I I exist on the blockchain. It's not me. Anyway, uh, tangent. Okay. So I do think that the way BitCloud has rolled out is actually very strategic because something like this might not be legal and or allowed or, you know, properly done. But crypto is just like throw it out there and then figure it out. And actually our interview with Mr. Beast, he said something kind of similar around philanthropy and creative juice where he's like, we're not sure exactly how these things are going to work, but we know we want them to exist. So we're going to put them out and we're going to solve while they're live. And in the example of BitCloud, it's a classic ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Because if you ask for permission, this is not rolling out. But if you, if you launch it, it's opening up creators' minds to be like, oh yeah, I'm cool if people invest in me. Like, that makes sense. Let's talk about from a creator perspective and an audience perspective. Is this good for creators? Is this good for audiences? I don't know about that. I think that number one, I think this illuminates that fans, industry folk, people are willing to invest in creators directly. Now, we've seen that before through merchandise, products, brands, and uh, even through raising capital for things with creators. I don't know what it means to invest in a creator. Like that's suggesting the creator is an entity and like, how do you value it? How do you value a creator's coin just based on the demand? 
Is that it? Right. Yeah. I, I guess that's so. it. Because I, I, what happens in companies, like obviously after a quarterly earnings report, like a company's value can go up or down based on how the company is doing. Are we going to get more transparency into creators? You know what I mean? Like if you're a shareholder, do you get access to, hey, how much revenue are you doing? How do you know how much a creator is valued? Is it all just about clout? Does it have nothing to do with revenue? And that, that brings up the, the second point, which is when a fan does value their favorite creator. It's an emotional experience and it's based on emotional things, not really based on data. So we talked about this before around like auction-based pricing for creators. One, your audience is willing to transact with you. Two, it's probably at whatever rate they feel emotionally connected to you, which is like a stock. It's just like wherever the demand goes. If one audience member is like, yeah, you know what? Buying stock in Graham Stephan is worth $18,000 to me. And another one's like, yeah, it's worth 20,000. Then it's like the price just goes up based on how your audience feels. For me, where BitClout offers a lot of potential is in this pseudo Twitter style functionality that they have currently, right? where you are also, as a creator on the platform, you can post content. I think when it gets interesting or when it will get interesting is if a certain amount of coins gets you access. Oh my God. I just spilled my coffee. Yeah. Should we end the episode? Yep. That's a wrap. Okay. Roll the outro. Kidding. Yeah. Where a certain amount of coins will get you access, exclusive access to content that is posted on that thread or to certain events with the creator. Like I think if BitClout can facilitate membership clubs, then it's potentially interesting. I like that. That that feels, again, it's like membership club. I haven't seen what's on the other side of BitCloud. Like once you buy into a creator's coin, how does that work? And I'm just reading here on their website. There's another section here in the one pager. It says, if you buy a coin, you can prioritize messaging, sponsored posts, premium content, distribution and engagement, money likes. This is, this is OnlyFans or Patreon or any other paid membership platform. It's just based in, in cryptocurrency. So we don't necessarily believe that this is the solution to investing in creators. But what we do believe is that you can invest in creator businesses. And we're going to get into that and talk about our new business and, and, and all the above. But first, a quick break to thank the sponsor of this episode, Notion. Being a creator can be overwhelming, especially when you work with someone like Colin, who's pretty disorganized. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that we're turning from being a YouTube channel into a full company and business. Yeah. And that requires a lot of coordination, a lot of organization. And we we just got to work better. It also feels like everyone in the creator space uses Notion. Just search Notion on YouTube and you'll find a ton of creators walking through their Notion setups. This is like a whole category of content that's actually very relaxing to watch. You can take notes, manage tasks, set goals, and so much more in Notion. It's a super customizable tool that helps you save time, increase productivity, and makes it easy to find the information you need. We've been using Notion to work on our new creator economy newsletter. The reality is, as we start to scale our team, Colin and I have to build templates to make sure that the content is flowing the way we want it to. We're going to get to the point where we're putting out two newsletters a week, and we need to have a really good system, and we need to be really organized to make sure that that can happen, that we can have really quality newsletters on a consistent basis. And Colin and I have to be able to open up Notion, check out the page, see the stories, approve them, make edits on the fly. Everything has to be done remote, super collaboratively and in an organized fashion to make sure we can get these out alongside with all the content that we're putting out on YouTube. So if you want to get started with Notion, you can do that right now. Just click the link in our description, get set up on Notion and start getting organized today. Thanks again to Notion for sponsoring this episode. And now back to the show. I always wanted to say that. Well, you just said it. And now I'm saying it. That's so cool. 
All right, back to the show. So almost two weeks ago, we launched Publish Projects, which is our new company. It's a series of projects all dedicated to empowering the next generation of creators. And our first project is, is a creator economy newsletter. It's something we've been working on, something that we've brought on people to help us with. And it's something that when we look at our business as creators and our future as creators, I would be really comfortable with people investing in these new businesses that we're starting. And when you look at the landscape of the creator economy, that is what I believe is the most investable thing when it comes to creators. I think that creators have this unfair advantage in building businesses. They have the cost of customer acquisition is low because they already have a built-in audience that they can reach organically. They have the ability to reach millions with the press of a button. They also have a very keen eye to what works on the internet and what people like because they have experience in engaging uh, millions of people through messaging, through storytelling. That's the unfair advantage of a creator. So when you inject them into a clothing brand, when you inject them into a makeup brand, a skincare brand, a food brand, like there's an immediate acceleration and you already have a built-in customer base. And if they partner with the right people, that's where you get sort of this business infrastructure mm -hmm. to make sure that when attention is driven by the creator, they can actually follow through from a product perspective. Now, lessons from you know, BitCloud and, and some of the stuff that we're talking about with auction-based pricing is that audiences are also willing to pay a premium if it's their favorite creator. So in the beginning, you have this initial velocity of community and, and audience and fans coming to your new business and they are willing to transact at probably higher rates. And so that will set a premium for your business. You see it a lot with clothing lines. Creators are able to launch apparel and launch product businesses at a scale that is mind boggling to other people. And the creators that do that really well are creators that have really strong communities where their channel is about being a member of the community. You look at Yes mm -hmm. Theory and their yep. Seek Discomfort clothing line. Yeah. That is an amazing community. And if you want to represent that you're a member of that community, the best, easiest way to do it is to buy the merchandise. So when you look at the difference between investing in a creator and investing in a creator business, if I'm investing in a creator it feels a speculative. Um, obviously you could base it off of revenue, but that's also super variable because at the core of it, you're kind of investing. If you just isolate the creator and the creator's business, you're kind of investing in the advertising business and the advertising business is, is up and down. It's variable based on budgets. It's variable based on views. It's variable based on a lot of different factors. And the idea with the advertising business, especially with creators is that the costs should be really low so that it's high margin. Mm -hmm. So when you really think about it, where would that investment even go? I think, yeah, I guess that investment should go into the broader ecosystem of the creator. But I, personally, I would rather invest in the clothing line or the product line. Like that's something I'd feel comfortable investing in, especially because it is somewhat protected if done right against the variability of the creator. Like if you build a clothing line properly, the creator can supercharge it. But if they ever want to stop making videos, you are, you still have this clothing line that you can build on. You still have a fan base there. Let alone you could find another creator with a similar mm -hmm. audience or a similar value prop and bring them on board to keep the messaging going. Look at what Paxson is doing with Emma Chamberlain. Mm -hmm. Emma is one of a few in a line of people that have promoted Paxson. Mm -hmm. Kendall and Kylie yeah. Jenner and now Emma Chamberlain. Yep. It would be like if Emma Chamberlain owned PacSun, right? Right, And then as Emma Chamberlain maybe ages out of that demographic, a new younger creator comes on board. And that's the reality. If Emma Chamberlain said that she wanted to make a online retail store, like a, like a Revolve competitor or a Brandy Melville competitor, mm -hmm. I would buy stock in that immediately. Totally, yeah. I would invest in that immediately. Now, 
if given the opportunity right now to invest in Emma Chamberlain, the person, I, I don't know what that means. So I don't think I would do that. So I think the, the next iteration of this is investing in creator businesses, thinking about product accelerators that can help creators launch businesses, thinking about uh, mentorship. That's something that we talked about with Mr. Beast, that when you think about investing in a creator, it's, it's more about investing the time and giving them the knowledge to grow. But when I think about putting my dollars into a creator, it's about putting them into the business. Personally too, I think it was really valuable to have very minimal funds for a long period of time while we figured it out. Mm -hmm. Going through that process of figuring out what a really good video is on $0 was super valuable. Had we had an injection of capital that made us think all of our videos should cost $10,000 a video, we might be making a lot of really poor decisions. Totally. I mean, here, here's a frame of reference right now where we're sitting. We're sitting on a table that was gifted to us. We're using a light that was gifted to us. We're using mics that were gifted to us. So in theory, this whole set and this whole production, the cost is time. That allows us to build an actually profitable business. If someone injected us with too much capital and we built a set, we might not be able to actually figure out how to make this show because there's so much pressure on immediately having to make money to pay back whatever the investment is or, or to show returns to the investor. I don't want that pressure. Now, do I want that pressure in a business we start? Of course, because there's a roadmap. But as a creator, things are very variable. Like you don't want that pressure as a creator. One of my favorite stories uh, is about you going to YouTube 10 mm -hmm. years ago and pitching our first company, the Lacrosse Network, to YouTube. And they asked you, how much should a video cost? I said $4,000. And they video. said, wrong. Yeah. $0. Yeah, I had built this financial model around like, we get one cinematographer, we get one editor, we get a motion grad. Like I, I went to film school, so I built out a crew for each video and they were like, no, it should cost zero dollars because it's going to take you years to find your format and you cannot invest. You'll go broke really fast. So if you see some of our first videos on that channel, I'm probably showing one right now, is us shooting straight into a webcam, just talking into a webcam, figuring out what it means to be a creator. So just to close on that thought, I do think that creator businesses are incredibly investable. You're seeing massive companies invest in creator businesses. And that, of course, when you say it like this, yeah. it feels that much more impactful. Impactful. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, now there's another thing that I think is important, which is creators as curators. That's something that I think creators should take really seriously. Does the creator actually have to make the business or if they have the cash and the capital, should they start a fund where they can curate businesses that they think are good and that they can supercharge? And that's something we're seeing a lot right now, whether it's Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Cody Co. tons of creators are launching funds. Everyone's a VC. Stands for venture capitalist, if you didn't know. Oh. Now you know. Everyone's a VC. Every single creator we've met who's, who's at a certain scale is investing money into, into companies. But I think that that actually makes a lot of sense for me. Even when I think about NFTs and when NFTs really blew up, um, and even today, I think where a creator can win is making the first ever digital art gallery and saying, I'm going to curate the best NFTs. I'm not necessarily going to make mine. I'm going to find digital artists that I believe in, and I'm going to make a shop for digital artists. Same thing with companies. I might not be the one to start these companies, but I'm going to find founders. I'm going to find ideas that work because that's my core competency. I'm going to inject capital into those ideas and then I'll help bring my audience over to multiple companies. That sounds kind of just like an NFT marketplace, like some of these more exclusive sure. marketplaces like foundation, but mm -hmm. where a creator could really win is if they made all of the work 
themed a certain way that is related to kind of what they do, what they preach, what they talk about. Yeah. And, and we're seeing this roll out, even like companies like public.com, where in the inverse of, of a creator being their own stock, it's a creator curating their stocks and mm. saying, these are the stocks that I like. And I do think that creators as curators makes a lot of sense across business, across everything. I think that works. And that's what I, I would like to see more of. I think creators getting into funds injecting capital into ideas. Like I like the core competency of knowing what works, how to reach millions of people, and then having the capital to do it. I like that. A lot of companies need digital natives to learn how to navigate the internet. I think creators can fill that gap. Yeah. I think what creators will need now is education on what it means to be a VC or to invest. Right. But there's a lot of partnerships there. Again, you mm-hmm. just partner with someone that knows, and then you have the core competency of knowing what's going to work on the internet. That makes sense to me. Should we put my bit clout up against your bit clout and just really get into that's it. That's a good just idea. A battle for the ages. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's, that's an idea. That feels like a good way to end this company. <laughs> yeah, just burn, <laughs> burn this down. <laughs> just each of us make the best content we can just to raise as Individually. much. Yeah. Crypto as possible. And then we both just decentralize ourselves on the blockchain and never see each other again. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> By the way, just to tie back to the title and thumbnail of this episode, I actually think it's a pretty good time to buy stock in Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it actually probably <laughs> it's is. It's probably a good time. Yeah, seems like, like he's on the come up. Yeah, he's on the come up. WrestleMania. Super cool to be here in the Thunderdome. Excited to be in a, a WWE ring for the first time. By the way, Masked Singer? What? Yeah, huh? No, he's just doing a lot of stuff. Like he's got the fight with Floyd Mayweather coming up this year. I SNL's think, taking shots at him, which yeah, is probably a good it's sign. A, it's a good thing. Yeah. Anyway. Should we? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Just as an experiment. Yeah. Let us know uh, which. Go to BitClout and and look at the creators that are on there and let us know and we will buy someone's clout, BitClout. Yeah. A- and just experiment and see what happens with it. Also, this is not investment advice <laughs> at all. No, no investment advice here. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Colin and Samir Show. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and if you're interested in our new business, published Projects, you can check that out. Link is in the description. Sign up and you'll be the first to read our Creator Economy newsletter. Lastly, thank you so much to Notion for sponsoring this episode. Click the link in the description to learn more about Notion. We could not do what we do without them. All right, Colin. Nope. No, no, no. Oh, the no. outro... You're the one who rolls the outro. Oh, I roll the outro. Yes. I didn't know that was my job. Well, you did it on the last episode. Okay. So. All right. Samir, roll the outro. No, no, no. I can, I can. Samir, roll the outro.